Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just wanna ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Good morning and welcome back. I wanna thank you so much for joining us today. And whether you're at home with your family or friends, sitting in your living room or in your kitchen, or maybe you're out on a walk, driving in your car, it's on your, you got your AirPods on, your earphones, I wanna thank you for tuning in right now to dive into the Word of God with us. And we are in episode two of our Identity Sermon series. Now, I have to be honest with you. I wish I knew the information and this truth that I'm sharing with you, I wish I knew this years ago because it would have made all the difference in my own life as it pertains to my victory over sin and how I interact and relate with others and my own confidence in who Christ has called me to be. This work, this identity work that we're gonna be exploring and, and unpacking is so pivotal. It is critical to your success in Christ. And we're gonna deal with it today. But before we do that, I just wanna begin with a word of prayer if we can. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to dive into your word. I thank you for this opportunity to um, just gather, even with our family, maybe with our friends, maybe we're by ourselves, but just to hear your word and be, to ex be exposed to the truth from your word. Father, I just pray in this moment that you would speak to your people, that you would allow this message to come forth with clarity and with conviction, and that we would begin to break up and to unearth and to remove and to debunk the lies that the enemy has told us about who we are in Christ. And so, Father, have your way. Step into this room right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we dive into the Word of God today, I can't start this sermon without first just stopping and addressing yet again the situation that's taking place in our country. As many of you all have watched over this last week, the, the situation that has been growing and boiling over in Wisconsin with the gentleman who was shot in the back seven times, Jacob Blake. Obviously, our hearts and our prayers go out to him and to his family and to the community. But more than just our hearts and prayers going out to him, it's clear that we're living in a nation and we're living during a time period where we have to do something. We have to get involved. We have to continually do a work of making a difference in our community. You know, working with our government officials and our policymakers and our police um, force and our police officers, working with our community organizers to really create and a community, an environment where all people are valued and our, all people are treated like the sons and daughters of God that we are. And so as you know, as a church at Relove, we have been very vocal about our stance as it pertains to social justice and police brutality. And we're gonna continue to just let our message resound to all of those who are watching our broadcast and are tuning in because we believe that social justice is love, that we, if we say that we love one another, then we have to fight for the rights of all people, whether they're black people, brown people, Hispanic people, Asian people, it doesn't matter where you're from, what your ethnicity is, all of us were created in the image of God and we have a right, we have a duty, we have a, a call 
to really make sure that we are defending and fighting for and uplifting all of humanity. Today, as we dive into this word, I just was wrestling this week with, okay, how does this identity work really connect to what we're experiencing in our nation? And to me, I feel like much of the dysfunction that we experience in this country is a result of the lies that we have been told by the enemy. And not just the dysfunction that we experience in this country, but the dysfunction that we experience in our lives, in our own personal lives, in our marriages, in our parenting, um, in our jobs, in our own psyche, the drama and the, the turmoil and the confusion and the conflict is because someone has lied to us. And some of us have bought into those lies and we are perpetuating those lies. But what God has called us to do as believers and Christians is to debunk those lies in Jesus' name, to call out the enemy, to let the enemy know that, no, what you say about me and what you are trying to sow in me is not true. I am not this person, but I am someone special and unique in Christ. And so we want to really dive into that today. And my hope and my prayer is that at the end of this message, you would come away feeling more confident in what God says about you. And that confidence would then lead you to make a difference in your community. That confidence would then compel you to raise your voice, to speak out, to advocate, to protest, to march, to do whatever we must do in order to create a just society, which I believe is our God. Given duty to work on behalf of the marginalized. And so as we dive into this week's message, I want to take a minute and just recap kind of where we were last week. Last week, we established this main principle, which is what you believe about who you are has more influence on your path, your growth, and your success than anything else. And this is really the foundation for this entire series, because what I want us to understand at our core is that your trajectory, where you're going, what you accomplish, what you, what you experience in life, it all has a, is rooted in what you believe. It's like that old saying, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. You may have heard that before. It's the prim principle that your life's success is largely based off of the belief system that you operate under. And last week we dealt with this, this framework. We established this framework that all of us experience voices in our head, voices that kind of come and go. Sometimes we entertain those voices and sometimes we don't entertain those voices. But when we do entertain those voices, those voices then turn into thoughts. And as we kind of ruminate on those thoughts and dwell on those thoughts, those thoughts then become beliefs. And those beliefs then manifest as actions or behaviors, which reinforce the voices in our head. This is what we call the identity circle. And today, what I really want to do is really just begin to unpack this idea of the voices. I think every week we're going to kind of focus on another component of this identity circle. But today I just really want to dive in deep to the voices. And this is the reality that I've learned in my own life, and I'm sure you've learned as well, is that all of us have what we what some psychologists call as these self-defeating thoughts or these tapes that kind of play in our mind. And the question, though, is where did these self-defeating thoughts come from? Where did these thoughts that we embrace, these thoughts that I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough, where did they come from? Well, they came from some voice somewhere along the way that told us or that registered in our psyche, in our frontal lobe, that we weren't 
good enough. And I believe that the source of these voices, the source of this, of this negativity, these negative voices, is really directly coming from the enemy. In fact, the Bible says that we are born in sin and that we are shaped in iniquity and that as a result of this birth and born in sin, all of us have with inside of us this inner me, these voices, this inner me. And for many of us, this inner me is actually our enemy. Yeah, this inner me, the one that's kind of talking to me, that's, uh, you know, you, you know the, 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 the old caricature where there's a, a demon on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder, and yet for most of us, the demon is a lot larger, the devil is a lot larger on our one shoulder than the angel is, and the devil is constantly talking to us all the time. He's constantly sowing seeds of lies and, and, and untruths into us, and those voices actually become our inner me, our, our conscious, our subconscious. And it, for many of us, we are carrying around with us this enemy that is inside of us. It's almost like a scratch record. I don't know if any of you all are old enough or watching to remember records, but I remember when I was a kid, my parents had records, and if the record got scratched, the record, the needle on the vinyl, it would just kind of keep bouncing off that scratch, and it would repeat over and over and over and over again, that same line, that same chord. And for many of us, the, the, the thoughts in our mind, the voices in our mind are on just repeat over and over and over and over again, and they are literally like a scratched record. And what I want us to understand fundamentally is that when you hear these negative voices, when you hear this, these, um, these destructive ideas or uh, thoughts that are coming into your mind, that at their core, they are not coming from God. I just want you to get this. That when, that when that voice comes and says, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're, 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 you're not well, you're, you're, you're unhealthy, you're a sinner, you're all of these things, you're not loved, that that is coming directly from the pits of hell. In fact, I just want to show you, don't, don't take my word, but look at the word of God. He says, John chapter 8 and verse 44, he says, you belong to your father. Now, this is Jesus talking. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Talking about the devil, he says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And then he goes on to say, when he lies, he speaks his native language. Like it's literally that when the devil opens his mouth, when I open my mouth, I speak English. And when some of you all open your mouth, you speak Spanish and others of you all speak another language. He says when he opens his mouth, his native language is lies. That this is where these, these negative voices are coming from. And so, as I said earlier, every dysfunction that we experience in this life is a result of a lie that the devil has told us about who we are, or worst case, it is a lie that has been passed down from one generation to the next. The reason why you feel you're not good enough is because your mama told you you're not good enough. And the reason why she feels she's not good enough is because her mama told her she was not good enough. And you can trace the lies all the way back, three and four, sometimes five generations. 
where we have these, this generational curse where someone grew up in an abusive situation. Someone grew up molested, a being abused as a child, and they grew up and they had children and, the, and, the, and their pain and the burden and the brokenness that they experienced, they passed down from one generation to the next. And so as a result, you and I have inherited, unfortunately, many of the lies that were sown into the hearts, into the minds of our fathers, our mothers, our grandfathers, our grandmothers, and for generations. There are generational curses and generational burdens that you are carrying. There is generational brokenness that you are experiencing. What God wants to do is he wants to show up in your life and he wants to break the cycle of brokenness in your life. And the way that he does that is he has to begin to introduce you to the truth of his word. He has to help you understand that you are not what that person told you you are. You are not what that parent told you you are. You are not what that boyfriend or girlfriend told you you are. But you are more, so much more than that. Now, as I think about why is the devil so adamant about lying to us? Why is the devil so adamant about sowing these seeds of dysfunction and sowing these untruths into our mind? I believe it is fundamentally because the devil knows that in the mind is where the transmission of God's plan either succeeds or fails. Let me just let that sink in for a moment. In the mind is where the transmission of God's plan either succeeds or fails. He knows that in your mind is where the plan of God succeeds. Like literally the battlefield is not in the street. The battlefield is in our mind because he knows that if he can get you to abort the truth of God and to abort the plan of God and the promises of God. And if he can get you to embrace and cultivate the lies that he is telling you, he knows it will be short of impossible for you to experience all that he, God has in store for you. So he knows very clearly the mind is where the transmission of God's plan either succeeds or fails. This, this reminds me of something that I've talked about before as it relates to success in life, that if you ever look at, for example, the NBA and a basketball team, that, that these NBA basketball teams who are filled with professional athletes who have spent their entire life training and perfecting their craft, if you look at their record, their win-loss record, you'll notice that they have a higher win record normally when they play at home. When they play at home in their home arena, their win percentage is greater than when they're on the road. And what psychologists have determined is that the reason why a team is, is more inclined to win at home is because that team is surrounded by encouragement. That in the stands, there are fans who are encouraging them and cheering for them. I, I've been to a few Lakers games, and I've seen, especially when Kobe Bryant was playing, I've seen when he hit the shot, the Staples Center just erupted. It's like, like it just went bananas every time they did something well. And I've been to a few Lakers games when they were playing an opposing team. I was one where they were playing Indiana. And every time a player in Indiana missed, the whole stadium erupted because we are trying to discourage the away team. 
And that is really what's happening in many of our lives, is that he knows that if I can surround you with foes, not fans, if I can surround you with voices that are going to discourage you, if I can surround you with voices that are going to encourage you to fail, that are going to sow seeds of destruction and dysfunction in your life, I know that I have a greater chance of getting you to fail and to abort the plan of God for your life because you will be surrounded by critics. You will be surrounded by people who won't be encouraging you, who won't be lifting you up, who won't be speaking life over you, but will be speaking death over you. And the devil knows more than any of us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so if you're going to live up to all that God has called you to live up to, if you're going to experience all that God desires that you experience in this arena of your life, you have to put on some, some what I like to call noise canceling headphones. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I, I brought a prayer with me today. Uh, these are some pretty good ones. These are what we call noise-canceling headphones. And these things, let me tell you, these things are like magic, specifically if you're on an airplane. You put these things on as the plane is taking off, and you literally, for the most part, cannot hear a thing. Because, And I honestly don't even know how they work. But what I do know is that there's something like inside of them that traps the noise and like puts out another noise that's pushing away the noise that's supposed to be coming in. And as a result, somehow it cancels out all of the noise that you should be hearing, but you don't hear. There have been so many times I've been on the plane flying and I put these on and it's like I'm in an, I can't hear the babies crying. Listen, I can't hear the engines humming. I can't hear anything because I got these noise canceling headphones on. And in your life, if you're going to succeed, you also have to put on some noise canceling headphones. I can't even hear myself talking. I don't even know like if what I'm saying makes any sense. I, I think I'm good though. Like, but you, oh, there it is. But you have to put these on. You have to be able to put on headphones spiritual headphones that are going to cancel the, the, the negativity. They're going to cancel the lies of the enemy. They're going to cancel the drama and the dysfunction out of your life. Now, I got to be honest. What I really like about these is because, and these are some Sonys. What I really like about these is that you can connect these to your phone through Bluetooth, and there's actually an app. And on this app, you can direct what area you want the sound to come from. So if I put these on and I go to the app, I can say, I only want to hear stuff that's coming behind me. And somehow these, these noise canceling headphones will cancel all the sound out around me except the sound that's coming behind me. Or if I say, I only want to hear the sound that's coming from this direction, they'll cancel everything out and only amplify the sound that's coming from this direction. Or if I only want to hear the sound that's coming right in front of me, they'll cancel out all the noise behind me and beside me, and they will focus and amplify the sound that's coming ahead of me. It's like literally like a great investment, right? And they're not promoting me to say this, though they should. But this is the point, is that when you are going in your own spiritual life, you have to be willing to put on some noise-canceling headphones. And in putting on these noise-canceling headphones, you then have to be able to say, you know what? I want to amplify the sound that is coming from my father. I want to amplify the voice that's coming from my father. I want to amplify the truth of God's word coming into my life. And I want to cancel out all of the lies of the enemy. 
And if you can do that, you can literally hone in on exactly what God is trying to say to you, when he's trying to say to you, how he's trying to say to you, and it will feed your soul and it will place you on a path towards success. You have to, you have to, without a doubt, find yourself a pair of noise-canceling headphones that you put on and spiritually it cancels out the lie of the enemy. And this is why, like this is why it's so important because the devil knows that, that your identity is what actually leads to activity. That, that, that identity is, is fundamental, that the way that you engage or perform or what you do in life, it is rooted, your activity, your behavior is rooted in what you believe about yourself. And what we're going to do is we're going to use Luke chapter 3 as our main text to really, to really illustrate that point. For in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is just coming in. He hasn't started his ministry yet. He, he comes to John the Baptist and he's about to get baptized. And something happens in Luke 3 that literally gives us an, an, an eye into the supernatural, spiritual activity of the devil in our lives. Like this is telling. And so I want you to lean in. I want you to lean in and stay with me. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, he says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened, the text says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice, a voice, a voice came to heaven saying, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. So Jesus comes out of the water. He is praying, the Holy Spirit descends on him and he hears these words, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Now, I, what I want us to understand is that particularly in this passage, this is in Luke 3, which tells us Jesus had performed no miracles up to this point. He had not raised Lazarus. He had not cast out any demons. He definitely had not gone to the cross. This was at the very beginning, the entrance of his ministry. He had done, performed no activity. And yet God comes to him and God declares over him in an audible voice that he can hear. He says, you are my beloved son and you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. That, that it's almost like God was trying to say, okay, Jesus, before you do anything, before you act, before you behave, before you engage, before you cast out demons and raise the dead and, and go to the cross, I want to be very clear who you are. You are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. This is what God does. This is what God does to Jesus, and this is what he is constantly trying to do in us. He is constantly trying to affirm our identity in him because he knows, and I want you to get this, he knows, he knows that the voice you believe will determine the future you experience. Like this is a major point. So if you're taking notes, I want you to take this down. The voice you believe will determine the future you experience. God knows this. So he's like, listen, I need to make sure that as Jesus is starting his ministry and he's, he's, as he's starting his mission, that he, that he knows and he hears very clearly this voice and that he believes me that you are my son and I am pleased with you, though you have done nothing. You have 
engaged in no activity. You have engaged in no behavior. You have done nothing to actually qualify you for my pleasure to be called my son. But I want to let you know that, that your identity, who you are to me, in me, is not based on your activity. It's based on how I choose to identify you. And God says to Jesus, you are my son. And in you, I am well-pleased. And that identity then became the foundation for all of the activity in Jesus's life. And so the question is that we must ask ourselves that if God is constantly trying to, if God spoke to Jesus in the affirmative and helped establish his identity, God is also trying to speak to you and I in the affirmative to help establish our identity. And literally, when you look from Genesis to Revelation, the entire book is God, to a degree, trying to get us to understand who we are in Christ. God wants to speak directly to us. He wants to speak definitively to us. He wants to speak decisively into our core identity. So he, so we will know very clearly, this is who I am. And then out of that identity comes activity, comes actions, comes behavior, comes how we live our lives. So, so the question that I want to ask and answer today is, what does God say about you? And I just have a few, few of them. Now, I hope that you went to our website last week and you downloaded a daily declaration and that on that daily declaration, you customized it and made it specific to your life and to who you are. We gave you several templates that you can use and you can start from. I hope that you've downloaded that and that all week long, you've been, you've been reciting that daily declaration to yourself. In fact, I'm gonna upload a couple more for you. So if you go to our website right now, you'll find a few others there that you can look at and that you can download as well. But what I want you to understand is just a few things I want to go over. Number one, what I want you to understand is that you are his child. Like, like when you, when you ask the question, well, wh what does God think about me or who I am? Who am I to God? What I want you to understand at your core fundamentally is that you are, and say it with me, I am his child. We know this because 1 John chapter 3 says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. We are his children. Not only are we his children, but we are also loved. Say it with me, I am loved. Put it in the chat, I am loved. You might not feel loved, but we're not talking about how you feel. We're talking about what does God say about you? And there is a vast difference because I don't always feel loved, but I have, to I have to inform my feelings. And listen, I don't live my life based on how I feel. I live my life based on what God's word says. And God's word says is that I am loved. He tells us this in Romans 5, God demonstrated his own love for me in this, that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. What else? He says, not only am I loved, not only am I his child, but I'm also an heir. I, 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 have, I am an heir to the throne. I am a joint heir with Christ. He says, God predestined me to be adopted as his son through Jesus Christ, that I am a part of the family of God. I am a part of the sonship, the, 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 the family of God. Not only that, but I love this because I think this really hits at the core of what many of us fail to experience and fail to understand about what, how God sees us. But I am holy 
I am without blemish, and I am free of all accusation. Now, you're looking at me like, Pastor says, what are you talking about? Like, you don't, you don't know what my life. You don't know what I've done or what I've said or what, who I've been with. How can, how can I, knowing my past, say that I am holy? Well, listen, I'm not saying that you're holy based off of your past. I'm not saying you're holy based off of your feelings. I'm saying you're holy based off of what God's word says about you. Amen. Amen. I'm saying you're holy based off of what God says about you. See, many of us, we, we allow, again, our identity to be defined by our activity. But God says your identity is not defined by your activity. Your identity is defined by what I say about you and what I've done in your life. So he says, Colossians 1 verse 22, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, I want you to get this because what Paul tells us in Colossians is that God has reconciled us to, to himself through Christ, through death to present us holy in whose sight? Holy in his sight. You might not be holy in your sight, but we're not concerned about how you view yourself. We're concerned about how does God view you. And what Colossians tells us is that in his sight, we are holy. And in his sight, we are without blemish. And in his sight, we are free from accusation. And so what I want to do is I want to inform my sight and say, listen, I no longer see myself as I am. I see myself as God sees me. I mean, we can go on because last week, last week, we also addressed this one that I am, I am God's workmanship for I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What this is basically communicating to us is that, that I am God's masterpiece, this word workmanship is its masterpiece. In the Greek, it's poema. What it really uh, uh, alludes to is that I am God's poem, that I am God's creation, and I have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That who I am is I am God's child. I am God's heir. I am, I am loved by God. I am holy and, and without blemish, free of all accusation. I am an heir. I am God's workmanship. At some point, we have to stop seeing ourselves as we see ourselves, and we have to put on noise-canceling headphones, enemy-canceling headphones, and we have to tune, we have to turn up the voice of God in our lives. And so this is what Jesus did. God came, and he said to him in, in Luke chapter 3, he said to him, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved son. And I can just imagine that when Jesus heard that, I don't know, but I'm just using my sanctified imagination, that when Jesus heard that, that voice from heaven say, you are my beloved son, I can imagine that Jesus took a mental recording of that voice, and he played it in his mind over and over and over again, reinforcing, I am his beloved son. I am his beloved son, and he is pleased with me. I am his beloved son. He is pleased with me. That Jesus took that truth and he buried it into the depth of his soul and he held on to it. Now, what's interesting is that, that it would be good if that's where the story ended, but that's not where the story ends. Because 
in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized, but then in Luke chapter 4, something happens to Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus, who has now just been baptized, he's now full of the Holy Spirit. He returned from being baptized at Jordan, and he was led by that same Spirit into the wilderness, and there he was in the wilderness for 40 days, connecting to God, getting God to download more messages to him, spending time, devotion to God. And the Bible says that being tempted by the devil for the, in the, in the wilderness for four days. He ate nothing during those days. And then this is what happens. So now the devil shows up in the wilderness and he goes through these temptations. And look, the Bible says the enemy comes, the devil comes. When the 40 days were over, Jesus was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, <laughs> let me just, let me just take a break. Because in Luke chapter three, Verse 23, we just heard God say to him, you are my beloved son. Now in Luke chapter four, verses three, the devil comes and says, if you are. Like, like I hope you're getting this because this is at the core of how the enemy gets us to abort the plan of God for our lives because he knows that, 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 that the mind, the transmission of God's truth into our lives is, comes through our mind and that is what determines whether we succeed or whether we fail. And so even though God just told Jesus, you are my beloved son, the devil comes behind him and gets him to question the very truth that God declared over his life. So he says, if, if you are really what God said you were, he says, command these stones to become bread. For it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. E essentially, what, what Satan is doing is he's saying, if you are the son of God, if your identity is really what you think it is, do something. Prove it. Make something happen. Well, it's, it's almost like he's saying to us, he's saying, uh, I hear what God said to you, but if you are really the son of God, show me that you're the son of God. If you are really a child of God, show me you're a child of God. Live right, talk right, act right, stop sinning, stop going to these places. Like if you're really a child of God, like, like you should do something to prove that you are who you really say that you are. And what we do is we say, well, because I can't, I can't do something, I can't prove it, therefore I must not be what Jesus just said about me. You see, God says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Satan now comes and says, well, if you are the son of God, do this. And he does that same thing to us. He comes to us and he says, oh, if you're really a believer, you wouldn't have gone there last night. If you really were a believer, you wouldn't have done that with that person. If you really were a follower of God, you really wouldn't have said that or gone there or ate that. Like you really would not have done these things. And we then take this lie of the enemy and we say to ourselves, well, because I'm, I'm failing in my life, 
Therefore, I must not be what God just said about me. I mean, God just declared to me that I am holy and that I am without blemish, that I am blameless and that I am without accusation. But because my life doesn't line up with what he just said, therefore, I must not be holy. This is like, this is the enemy strategy like 101. It's to get you to believe something about yourself that God did not say was true about you. To get you to abort the plan of God for your life. This is what he does. And Jesus' response to him, simple and powerful. Man does not live by what he or she can produce. Man does not live by what he or she can produce. But man lives by what God says. I, I, I want you to get this in your spirit, that you don't live based off of what you produce. You live and succeed and thrive and grow and achieve based off of what God says about you. This is, this is at its core what the enemy has done. He has taken this original formula of being uh, identity leads to activity, and then he has inverted it to make us believe that, no, your activity is what leads to your identity. And this activity leads to identity is literally the formula that this entire world is built upon. Why? Because we say, well, you're not an NBA champion until you perform like an NBA championship and win. You're not an NFL champion until you perform like an NFL champion and win. You're not an honor roll student or the valedictorian of your class. You're not the, you know, you're not, you don't have summa cum laude. You're not all of these things. That's not who you are unless you first perform and behave and produce like the valedictorian of your class, or produce like an NFL champion, or produce like a winner. But God says, no, 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 no. That's not how the kingdom of heaven is oriented. The kingdom of heaven isn't oriented based off of what you do then leads to who you are. The kingdom of or heaven is based off of what, who you are then leads to what you do. So we should... Even when we think about how we raise our kids in kindergarten, we give stars to those who perform. We say, listen, you are an, honor, an A student because you've got all A's. But maybe we should start calling them A students before they've even done anything. Let's start affirming their identity before they do anything. And then now they have something to live up to and strive for because they know this is who I am. Before I ever performed. It's funny, I've talked to um, therapists and counselors, and therapists and counselors say that this is so true on so many levels. They say to, to wives that if you want your husband to start doing things around the house that he's currently not doing, just start saying to him all of the things that, that he is. Oh, man, you're a good man. Man, you, you're such a wonderful provider. Just start lavishing him with identity, helping him to reframe who he is as a man. And what will happen then is he will start to then live up to those things that you believe about him. And the same goes for wives, husbands and wives. It goes for both ways. And this is not some type of reverse psychology or some type of manipulation trick. This is actually kingdom principle. 
That the way that God deals with us is he calls us what we are before we have ever achieved anything that he has just called us. That is kingdom truth. And this is what the kingdom of heaven is. And yet the devil comes along and tries to get us to see ourselves for what we do and not to see ourselves for who God calls us to be. And so we see this. We keep reading in Luke. He, the devil then comes and takes him up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, he says, for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. It's almost like he's saying, okay, so because I can't shake your identity, let me then focus on your activity because I know you've, came, you've come to, to, to get dominion of the earth. You've come to take this earth from my power. You've come to overcome me. So rather than you following along the path of who the father has said you are, I can give you a shortcut there, right? Okay. So you're great. You're, you're powerful. You're awesome. But let me give you a shortcut to actually reaching your destiny. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus's response to him is it is written, you shall not worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus's response is literally, listen, no, I'm not, I'm not, I know who I am. And because I know who I am and what I've been called to do, I don't have to take shortcuts to get what God has called me to do and what God has called me to accomplish. I don't have to take shortcuts in life because I know who I am. It's interesting because it's almost as if Christ is saying, you know what, my, my purpose in life, my, my, my God's strategic plan for my life, like my mission in life is based off of my identity. It's based off of who I am. So because I know who I am fundamentally, like I know my purpose and I'm not going to short circuit my purpose because then it's really under undermining my true identity. So if I bow down and worship you, Satan, it's almost as if he's saying, if I bow down and worship you, Satan, it's really undermining who I really am. I am the son of the living God. I am about to worship no one but the Father. Satan rose on. He took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are, here we go again, back to strategy number one. Okay, let me get you to question your identity. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, Jesus shows up again. He says, listen, I know who I am and there's nothing you can say to me. I'm wearing my noise canceling headphones and there is nothing you can say to me that will get me to believe anything that comes from your mouth, devil, because I know you are a liar. You are the father of lies. And every time you open your mouth, it ain't nothing but lies. Oh, I wish we had that same orientation and disposition when it came to, to speaking to and addressing and confronting the enemy in our lives. That when the enemy comes in, with these lies, I wish we would say with boldness, stick our chest out, put our head up and say, I know who you are. You're a father of lies. You're the enemy. And, and whenever you open your life and your mouth, nothing comes good from you except lies. I, I wish the body of Christ, re-love. I wish we had that same conviction to know that when he comes in and these voices are percolating in our minds and around us, that we would just say, you know what? It is all from the enemy. I'm only going to believe what God says about me. I'm not even going to believe what I just did. 
I'm not even going to believe what just happened to me. I will not live my life by what I see. I will live by my, my life by what I believe from God. I will live my life by faith. That is what God is trying to communicate to us. It's funny because in this last temptation, it's almost like Satan backs his temptation up with scripture. Like if you go back, he says, he says, uh, you know, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. <laughs> He's like, 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 let me, let me try to undermine your identity with scripture. Like I'm trying to, I'm going to try to use God's word against you. And she's like, listen, you don't know. I, I'm not falling for it. Like it's, it's, it's not happening. And this is the point that I want you to get. This is the point of the entire message. And I'm almost done. This is the point of the entire message that in Christ, who you are matters infinitely more than anything you do or cannot do. Like, this is the point that your identity matters so much more than anything you do or cannot do. And that if you can just believe in what God says about you, it literally changes everything. I have experienced victory in my life over things I've battled with simply because I've said to myself, that is not who I am. That is not what I do. That is not where I'm going. That is not what I think. Like, yeah, these thoughts and these voices are percolating. These desires are, are rising up. But I say, no, that is not who I am. I am a child of God. I'm an heir to the throne. I am an overcomer. I am brought with, a, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. I am an overcomer. And I walk in the identity, not in my feelings, not in what I feel or what I've done. I walk in what Christ has said about me. This is identity. Now, now, as I wrap up, what's interesting is that you and I, we will believe what Jesus says about himself. Let, let me show you case in point. In John chapter eight, Jesus says this about himself. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world, right? Jesus says, Jesus has a lot of I am statements. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the truth and the life. I am the door. Uh, 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 I am the, uh, I am the, the, the good shepherd. Uh, like he has tons of these I am statements all throughout, specifically the book of John, but throughout scriptures, these I am statements. And one of his I am statements is I am the light of the world. And you and I, we will actually sing songs about Jesus, the light of the world. Hark the heralds, angels sing, Jesus, the light of the world. Glory to the newborn king. Jesus, the light of the world. Walk in the light, the beautiful light. Like we'll sing songs that are reinforcing what Jesus said about himself. So literally, we believe Jesus's word about Jesus. But what we don't do is we won't believe Jesus's word about us. Okay, I don't want to lose you, right? Jesus says, I am the light of the world, talking about himself. But he also says, you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14. John 8, he says, I am the light of the world, talking about himself. In Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine. Now, help me understand this. Why is it that we believe what Jesus says about himself, but we won't believe what Jesus says about us? 
It's because we have fundamentally brought in, bought in to that idea that our activity determines our identity. So I can't come to Christ because I'm not good enough. I can't give my heart to Jesus because I still smoke. I still drink. I still, I still go to the club. I'm still sleeping with my girlfriend. I'm still sleeping with my boyfriend. I can't, I can't become a Christian because I still look at porn. I still like doing these things. I can't, I can't, I can't because I, I can't give my heart to God because this and because that and because this. And we allow our activity to drive our identity. And what I want to just share with you, hope that you get today, is that your activity does not drive your identity. Your identity drives your activity. What I want you to do today, fundamentally, is I want you to believe what God says about you. Just believe what God says about you. Believe that you are his child. Believe that you are loved by him. Believe that you are holy and blameless and without blemish. Believe that you are without accusation. Just believe what God says about you. Ah, Okay, pastor, I hear you, but I don't feel like that. I don't feel like a winner. I don't feel like an overcomer. If you knew what I just did, if you know where I've been, if you knew what has happened in my life, I don't, I don't feel that way. I just blew up with my, on my spouse and we just got into a hurried argument. I'm just yelled at my kids. God, I, I, how, I, I can't reconcile the two. And, and, and what I'm trying to communicate is you don't have to reconcile the two. Yeah, you've done some stuff as we've all done some stuff, but it's not about what you've done and how you see yourself. It is about how God sees you and for you to come to the reality, to come to that position where you're willing to say, you know what? I'm choosing to live my life. I'm choosing to define my life and my identity, not by what I do, but by what God says about me. So it's belief. It is faith. It is at its core, faith, faith, believing God's word. So for you, my brother, and for you, my sister, wherever you are, at home, in the park, in your car, in your office, walking through the grocery store, wherever you are right now, what I want you to do is just say this prayer with me. Father, I choose to believe what you say about me. I am your child. I am loved. I am chosen. I am favored. I am perfected in Christ. I am holy. I am blameless. I am without accusation. I am perfect in Christ. Thank you for who you have called me and identified me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends of mine, I pray that you are blessed by today's message so much so that you don't want to keep it to yourself, but that you want to share it with someone. I want to encourage you. Go to our website, top right corner. You'll see it. There's a link that says daily declarations. I want you to go there and I want you to find one of those daily declarations that works for you. There's some more that we added from last week. Find one that works for you. Download it. Take your phone. I don't have my phone on me. Take your phone. Record it on voice memos. Hear yourself saying it. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what you've done. We're declaring God's word over your life. And every morning when you get up, every night before you go to bed,
record, hear yourself declaring God's word over your life and begin to break up the lies the enemy has told you. Get yourself a good pair of noise-canceling headphones, the spiritual kind that will cancel out the lies of the enemy and that will amplify the word of God over your life. And it'll put you on a path to actually experiencing all that God has in store for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. My heart and my prayer are continually with you. And by the grace of God, I'll see you next week.